Hey, if you've got your books or your manuals, if you haven't got one, just give me a quick wave. If you're here for the first time, you don't have one of these because we're tracking through this and someone will put one in your hand. Um, so if you want to go to page six, and if you've been journeying uh, with us, you know we're looking at faith. And as again, as we looked at while we're in lockdown, it's something we unpacked. Um, but it's something we always need to keep unpacking because um, you know, as you talk with people, you realize that we can be set and stuck in our thinking in our ways and think what things are when they are not. And so those things that we think that are not his then hold us and block us. And predominantly faith in the body that I've heard taught is sort of, you know, you believe by faith. And it sounds great, but it's not actually, I don't believe biblical at all. It's like, because it's it's empty. It's like this empty promise. You believe something by this thing called faith, but what am I believing in? Well, faith sees. So faith sees, so it's full. It's not empty, it's full. And so my belief actually comes as I start to see, because I've received something greater than this empty promise that sounds biblical, but leaves me empty. And God's flipping that mindset. He's breaking it and flipping it and saying, no, faith is an absolute assurance of what you're hoping for. And it's an absolute conviction. It's an absolute knowledge of what you have seen in the unseen. And so on page six, there, there's a question that says, how much of our faith is seeing what is already finished? So that's a question you'd want to ask yourself. Because when we started this, the word of the Lord is going forth and it is speaking of an unseen, seen realm. So how much of what is being spoken is being heard and what are you hearing is being seen? So if I was to ask any one of you now to come up and start painting on my beautiful picture, you could add a part of what you've seen because you've heard it. So if you can't paint anything, that would mean you haven't heard anything. Fair call? And we have to be comfortable with that, and that's okay. To go, if I can't actually paint anything, I haven't heard anything, because faith comes through hearing. So I might have heard Greg and Sam and Mal and other people talk, but I actually haven't heard what they've actually said. Because faith sees and knows what's in the unseen. And it's not just to be one or two people that know this stuff. It's to be a whole family raised up called the Commonwealth of Israel who know the word of God, who then speak the unseen seen realm into the earth. That's who we're called to be, aren't we? Not just to be in forms of godliness, going through rituals, but actually be the people of God who know the mysteries that have been granted to us. That's a full gospel, isn't it? That's an overcoming gospel. That's a flowing gospel. That's a resurrectional gospel. And during the week, I sent out an email to us all of encouragement. Give me a wave if you got that. Give me another wave if you actually read it. (laughs) Did you eat it? How many people have done more than that with it? Okay, so we're to marinate ourselves. What is God saying? Well, in those scriptures, he's saying all things are upheld by the word of God. We are part of the all. So all creation, everything is upheld by God's word. And then 2 verse 1 says, make sure you are paying attention to what is going out, otherwise you're going to drift away from what is being spoken. 
Do you mean I can drift away from God? Yeah. Just like the Israelites did. Because they couldn't hear the word when it was being prophesied. See how important this is, guys? So God is building in accordance to his word. And his word upholds all things. He builds us on the revelation of his word. So if I'm not hearing his word, then I'm probably going to be drifting away from the reality of what he has for me, which is my inheritance. You won't lose your justified position. You just won't live out the life you've been called for here and the life to come. Make sense? So that is to arrest us. That's to apprehend us because that's quite serious. I'm not sure about you, but I've never played this thing called church. And I have said a number of times, if you don't want to be here, if you'd rather be somewhere else, then go and be free to be where your heart wants to be because that's where you truly are. So where the heart is, that's where God sees and God works with that person if they're on the golf course or wherever and they can just be what they want to be because until we really get our heart in the right place, we're just giving God lip service. And there's massive freedom here to be free. See you, bro. It's all good. Seriously, it's all good. Because I didn't want to be here. I wouldn't be here either. Like, I'm not here because I get paid. I'm not here because of anything. I'm here because I love him. And so that's why I never wanted to be a Christian. Because I never wanted to be a hypocrite. There were things I wanted to do. And I knew if I was going to be a Christian, I wouldn't be able to do those things. So I said, I'm not going to be a Christian because I want to actually do those things. And I know if I go that, I can't do that. So I went where my heart was. Had an amazing fun time. It was cool. Until I broke my life. So there's so much freedom here to express, to find him. I'm not sure if you know how free this place is. To truly find the Christ. For who the Christ really, really is. Not our forms of godliness and what we've been brought up with. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe not. So this thing called faith. Listen to these words. Faith manifests the future in the present. I'll say it again. Faith manifests the future in the present. So is your present seeing the future? Faith manifests the future right now before you. That's why these people of faith are mentioned and they were able to live these lives because their joy wasn't in earth. It wasn't in one another. It wasn't in themselves. It was in what they saw. So they saw the future in their present. You and I are too as well. Faith gives us a reference point for what's in front and not behind. Faith gives us a reference point for what's in front and not behind. Isn't that what the Bible says? Why are you always looking over your shoulder? Why are you looking back? No one who's fit for the kingdom looks back. What happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? <laughs> Salt froze. That's what happens when you look back. You see, when you spend more time looking back over who you're not rather than looking forward to who you are, you get entangled in your sin. So he came to set you free from where your head's looking. So often we know who we're not, we just don't know who we are. And you won't figure out who you are by looking behind you. He says, set your mind on the things 
above. Who's seated above? Jesus. So when you look ahead, that's where you're looking to. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of faith. So if your eyes are locked on Christ, then what's he going to do with your faith? He's going to perfect his faith in you. Now, if he perfects his faith in you, what do you think you know? Him, for who he really is. What else? You might know who you really are, eh? And you might then live in accordance to who you really are, the commonwealth of Israel, a people full of promises of a covenant. And the church he builds where the gates of Hades don't overpower you becomes your reality. So the struggles are no longer struggles. Like, do we fully grasp that we are not to be a hospital? Like, when you go into hospital, you want to come out, don't you? Who wants to stay in hospital and live in hospital? So there's a time when you're in hospital and it's right, but then you want to come out of hospital. So the church isn't actually a hospital, but the church receives patients. The church is a family. Okay? Not an institution. It's a family of faith. And so as a family, I was loved by my mum and dad. When my my behaviour wasn't that flash, I was still loved by my mum and dad. They never kicked me out of the home because my behaviour wasn't up to scratch. They loved me in the hope that my behaviour would change. Yeah, there was discipline in my home. There were consequences for my bad behaviour. It was right. It was good. I needed it. So do we in his house. But the church is a family which receives broken people, loves them. We don't try to change people. We don't try to build people. That's his job. He says, love them. Isn't that what he said? Just love them. I'll build them. I'll fix them. Just love them. So can you love one another yet? Like I've commanded you to love one another. That's huge. This is why we need faith. Without faith, everything is impossible. With faith, all things are possible. Alrighty. Okay. Um, I want to start with 2 Peter 1, 1 to 4. And we're just going to focus really on one line, but I am going to read all of it because it all impacts on itself. 2 Peter 1, 1 to 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received, and here are the key words, Underline these or highlight these. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior. Those two things are heavily linked. If we never know how right we are, we won't have a faith of the same kind because they are interconnected to each other. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. That's what we were praying for this morning. And of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power, we sung about that, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So it's not man's wisdom, it's God's power that he gives and is given to life and godliness. See, not forms of godliness, true godliness through the true knowledge once again this true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence he called every one of us we did not choose him 
which means those he calls he has an absolute beautiful purpose for. Nobody in this room when God calls you is an accident. So then we need to discover the calling of God, not what I think my calling of God is. Subtle, sound the same, massively different. For by these, what things are these? His power, his knowledge, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. See, because we're part of the commonwealth of Israel and they were a people of promises. So we're called to know these promises that come through power, through grace, through true knowledge, so that by them, the word of God, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So I just ask you a question, can you love like Jesus Christ yet? This is what he's saying. So God gives all things so he can raise up a people who can do all things in him. That's amazing, isn't it? Sons who are coming to know who they really are, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So God is rescuing the church out of lust and into what? Love. Taking us out of the world, Egypt, and Egypt out of us into love. So then we're able to live lives of love and life and light and overcome because he has won a victory, not because of my strength, because of what Tim prayed, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I come to the end of my life spiritually and get broken on the rock, that's where I find strength, not in trying to do it all and staying in control. That is my strength that keeps me out of God's strength. That's foolishness to God, but it's honored by man different kingdoms. So I want to ask these guys, received a faith of the same kind as ours, Mel. So I I thought that verse, even before that, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And, you know, bondservant is one who freely, voluntarily um, yokes himself with his master. He's free to go, as Greg has talked about. We have a freedom to not be here, to walk away and leave. But the bond servant has this yearning to be yoked and cannot leave or forsake the one who saved his soul, her soul. Um, so this bond servant, and then the apostle, and we know the apostle or the, the apostolic, which we're all called to be, is apostolic, sent implies that we're sent from another place, another reality. So I think, first of all, being born again from above is where we, we, we are birthed from the same kind of faith, this, this faith that holds us and joins us together, the same reality, that Christ what, didn't just call himself truth, but he was, he is truth, he is the reality of God. Um, so I've got this picture. I've been sitting on this scripture that I just can't get away from. And, and for me, it's this picture of this, this faith and the same kind um, of faith as Peter and all the forerunners that speak of this faith have. And there's a scripture where it says, 
in Jeremiah, you know, and he's, he's speaking to the wandering woman, the woman who's been backsliding and living a different way. And he says, the Lord is, the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. A woman will encompass man. So faith is this, if we can imagine a compass, you know how we use an instrument to build us to, to do a circle, this compass piercing, putting a spot, and it says that everything was made from and through Christ. And as we draw this circle, we see this reference line, this imaginary line called an axis, and we imagine that's Christ. And it says that as women, as the church, and not just women, it's the church, we're going to learn from the, from the faith that God has showed us his faithfulness, we are going to learn to encompass him. And so our lives, we, we live from the reference point of Christ, which is the center of that circle. That everything has come from Christ. All of creation was created through Christ, the cosmos, cosmic Christ has now become our center, is the church's center. And so her axis is him. And her coordinates, where she goes, encircles him. So her beginning and her end comes from and through him. So I guess the faith reality is birthed from him, and that's all, that's what we see. We see Christ, and we live by his reference. And we make him our preference because he is our first reference, being born again. So this same kind of faith is being, for me, I understand it as being birthed from the same kind which is Christ it's the same kind of faith so we see the same reality of Christ in our lives we find that we are encircling him going from him out circling him and back continuously that has to be more than a mental agreement doesn't it absolutely and faith yes and amen comes from the word faith all the promises Christ is the substance and the sum of every promise yes and amen so when we're saying yes and amen, we're not just saying yes and amen to things out there. It's yes and amen from what I know because I've been divinely persuaded by Christ. That is why I'm a bond servant. That's why I live from him out. I circle him. My whole life is about encircling the Christ. You can see how flippant yes and amen can become. Oh, yes and amen. It's like where two or more are gathered in his name. But unless you know the name, because life's in the name, it's not just saying the word Jesus, it's knowing the life of the person that's in that name. So when two or more in his name who know him, that's where he is. Because that's where the authority is. That's awesome. Don't you love the way Mel puts things? Sam will put it completely different now. You watch this. I see a square. And Uh, I'm good. No, I was just going to say, I've just had a picture of a compass. Um, <laughs> of the same kind. Of the same kind, yeah. Oh, look at that, yeah. <laughs> um, no, to be honest, I didn't think of a compass at all, actually. <laughs> and I was looking at these these pictures, but I think, um, you know, to me, that's that's the beauty of, of, of what this dynamic is, is that Mel's not actually talking about a compass. She's talking about a kind of faith, you know. And and to and to me, you know, there's so many words that could be used to describe what is ultimately the same thing, you know. And so, so to me, when I hear those who have received a faith of the same kind of ours, 
to, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit over the last number of months about this, you know, this particular kind and the fact that Peter is making a distinction to say there's people who have received the faith of the same kinds means that there's potentially other people who have a faith, but it might be of a, of a different kind, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I just think in modern day Christianity, everyone has faith. You know, I remember there was a, a friend of mine when I used to work in a cafe and she had faith tattooed onto her arm, you know? Um, and I just remember asking her, I said, oh, you know, you've, you've, you've got faith tattooed onto your arm. You know, what, what does that mean to you? You know? And she's like, to be honest, I don't really know. I just know that I have to believe, you know? And so she had a kind of faith, but it's certainly not the kind of faith that Peter's talking about here. This deep rooted conviction. And I think, you know, Peter's saying he's received a certain kind of faith. He, he has received not just any faith, not just a blind belief. He's, re- he's received something of the, the genuine, authentic knowledge of God. He's heard this word that we've been talking about that's created the ability to see what has always existed in the unseen realm. And now his life is a, is a reflection of what he has seen that is heavenly and eternal. So he's received a certain kind of faith. He's received the faith the faith of of the scriptures, the faith that's been spoken about before the world was. He can see Christ, his purposes. He can see who he is in Christ. He knows what it means to have been made right in Christ because it says that it's by the righteousness of our God and Savior. And so it's not just any kind of faith. It's not just that he has faith, that he has some sort of blind belief. It's that he's received a faith of the same kind as Christ Himself, and to me, that that's the defining that's the defining thing. Mm-hmm. If you look just on the passage beneath two Corinthians four thirteen, what Sam and Mel are saying is there. But having the same spirit of faith, so godly faith is of spirit, like all things are. It's like humility. It's humility of spirit, because the flesh isn't humble. So unless we are people of the Spirit, we won't have faith because it's a faith of the Spirit. It says true worshippers worship in Spirit. What does that mean? That's not singing songs. That's being able to hear and understand God when he speaks. So I can't hear and understand God when he speaks and I won't be a true worshipper because God's not saying dance around and sing songs. Make music. That's not what worship, that's not what he's talking about. So I must be able to hear the word of God through the spirit because the word is spirit, isn't it? Okay. And so let me read this. If you just come down three quarters of your page, you want to read the statement of truth on page six. It says, faith has to have a foundation, meaning faith has to have its foundation in something. It's not just willy-nilly. It's not empty. It's not wishful thinking. So faith has a foundation, and its foundation has to be in something. So faith has its foundation in accordance to who God is, not who we think he is, not what we've taught himself to be. If we have no revelation of God, we don't know who God is. We have a form of him. We have our image of him. You cannot know God through flesh and blood. 
We seal that one, yeah? So that's why he's saying to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Okay, So all the other guys who were disciples who walked away, walked away because when Jesus spoke, eat my flesh and drink my blood, because they didn't know who he was and couldn't hear him, they left him, even though they believed in him. Is that logical? Yes or no? Please don't say yes. That is not logical. Okay. And so we have to, our faith is in Christ, God for who God really is. That's what it means to be truly apostolic. It's to know who God really is for who he is, not who you've created him to be in an image. Then it says this. God is and in God's conclusions. His entire word is finished, written. So faith is in God and what is written, what's already established, finished, hidden, but available to those of faith. So that's what spiritual faith is anchored in. Okay, uh, God's conclusions are what is already spoken, written, spoken, written, and being spoken. Let me explain this. In the beginning, God wrote or spoke? Spoke. Then man did what? Wrote. Then Jesus came and spoke what man had wrote because God had spoken. Then the Holy Spirit does what? Writes. On where? And, and then man speaks. What's written? Then the Holy Spirit grabs it and then writes it on other people's hearts. And the process continues and the church is built from hearing the spoken, written, spoken, written word of the Lord. That's what your foundation needs to be anchored in to have faith. Because faith is anchored in that. To not know that is to not know faith. And this is, who wrote, who wrote to Peter? Yeah, it's not a test. <laughs> it's like, uh, 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 oh, no, it's right in front of me, Peter. So, so Peter wrote to Peter, but that same guy in Mark 40 verse 4, sorry, Mark 4 verse 40 and Matthew 16 verse 6 and 9 got told he had little and no faith. Let me read one and out so you believe me. Matthew 16 Verses 6. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. He was not talking about bread at all. Uh, but Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Well, you talked about leaven, about the... Pharisees and the Sadducees, yes. No, I'm not talking about bread at all. See, they couldn't hear, could they? So their lack of hearing meant they had little knowledge of the one in front of them and the Father's ways. You see them in the boat, and he actually says you have no faith. Do you still not have any faith? In what? In the conclusions of who I am and what is already written, why did they have no faith and little faith? What didn't they yet have? 
right, the spirit, because it's a spirit of faith. And the spirit had not yet been poured out. So without the spirit, you have no faith. It's just the reality of having no faith is what you're looking at with Peter and the boys. So Jesus is telling the truth, isn't he? Once again, because faith is anchored in what's known. So faith is anchored in what's known. Okay. So the cool thing is God wants to give us, an, and wants, as we hear his word, he wants to grow through hearing the word. Yeah. So we're seeing what's in the unseen through hearing. Otherwise, we're always going to stay the same. And life will always be the same because I can't see. I can't see because I can't hear. So how can I live if I can't see? I can't live for something I can't see. And that's why it's a spirit of faith. It's critical. And so 2 Corinthians 4.13, but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written. Okay, so it's not, I can't say this is what faith is. That's not my job. It's not your job to now define what faith is. It's his. So where would you look for the definition of faith from what's written? Where would you go? Yell it out. Okay, so what does he say faith is? And where's that? Yeah, so you need to know exactly where it is, eh? Like, cause if you don't know where it is, how are you gonna know what it is? You're gonna create your own version of it. So Hebrews 11, 1. God doesn't make any mistakes. He writes it down so you don't hoodwink yourself. But then you need to come to the spiritual reality of what He's writing, yes? Because it's a spiritual word. So it's not enough to just know that intellectually. Oh, Greg, it's Hebrews 11, 1. It says this. I need to know what He's saying. That's very different to just being able to quote and answer the questions right every time because there was a man who did that and Jesus said, well done, you've answered intelligently, you're not far from the kingdom. So although you answer the questions, you're not actually yet of the spirit. So just because you answer questions doesn't make it, anyone can do that. A non-Christian can study this and answer all the questions. What a non-Christian doesn't have is the ability to know God. Because God is of the spirit. So this is a spiritual faith. So we must have oneness with what he's saying faith actually is. Not what I think, I feel, I've come up with. It's what he says goes. And you know, it says in, in First Corinthians that who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man that's in him, you know? And so he says, you know, who who among people can enter into someone else's mind and see their thoughts and and sense their emotions? You know, people's thoughts can can you can you hear someone's thoughts? You know, or thoughts and emotions exist in in a form of an unseen realm, right? You can see the impact of someone's emotions on their life through their behavior, but you can't actually see someone's emotions, right? And I think that's why it's only now 2020 and we're only starting to acknowledge mental health as a real thing because it's it exists in, 
what's essentially an unseen realm. And so in the same way that we can't enter into someone's mind and know their thoughts and know their emotions, we might be able to see the evidence of it. And it says in First Corinthians, it says that in the same way, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. It says, but we've, but we've been given not um, that the spirit that's from God so that we can know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And so in the same way that we've got no ability to enter into someone else's mind and read their minds, we don't have the ability to enter into God's mind and to know his thoughts and, and, and see his eternal purpose. And that's why we need faith. That's why we need revelation to be, uh, to take us from not seeing to seeing and from not hearing to hearing. And to me, that's why this thing is, is so vitally essential because, um, in our, in our physical state, we've got no ability to know God apart from by the Spirit. And that's the beauty and the power of the gospel that he has given us, his Spirit, so that we can see and receive the things that are unseen and live for the things that are heavenly, eternal, as opposed, and it, and it elevates us above the things of the earth, you know. So it's vitally essential that we um, you know, that we have the same spirit of faith being able to see because of what, what it is that he's opened up to us in the unseen realm. That's right. There's, there's a total transfer of senses from our physical senses that guide us in the physical life to the spiritual senses that come alive to God, that now he is the reality in front of us before we even see the physical beyond that. And, so we can answer questions when asked intellectually. We have ears to hear. We have eyes to see. But we can still be deaf and we can still be blind. And so even when Jesus did his miracles and walked on the earth, when he healed the blind, uh, healed the sick, when he opened the eyes of the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, wasn't just a mere physical reality for, for some maybe, but, well, actually, I'm not too sure on that. But I would say most of the miracles were actually... If we think of the man um, whose eyes were open and the Pharisees said, who did this? That man was like, now I see. that I was blind, now I see. It wasn't just that his physical eyes were open. He now knew it was the Messiah. He knew it was the Christ. And so our physical senses, it's like we can't just be impressed or have conviction, but we have to be converted. You know, those senses from physical need to go into spiritual, that we now are guided by spiritual senses that can see, that can hear, that are alive to God himself as the living God, not just the intellectual God who lives in the sky. It's a living reality. Um, you know, hearing, even that word hearing is the word acoustic. And acoustic is remedy for the deaf. It's actually a remedy used for the deaf. So ears can hear. And so God knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's saying. And it's literally the life is in there, ready to produce itself in us if we will hear and receive and let the seed take roots. I love what Noel said uh, Sunday, a week ago. He talked about hearing in the Hebrew is the same as listen, which is also associated with obeying. So it's not hear and obey. If you hear, you will obey. They're one and the same thing. Because it's like it's like love. It's like when when you receive love, you're able to live love. 
It's one and the same thing. So knowing God loves you is not the same as receiving love on the inside of you. They're different things. One enables you to live love, the other doesn't. It's very cool that God loves me, but I actually need to receive love because he's expecting me to love him back and love others with that love that he's implanted into me. And I just want to um, just touch on this. You know, you know, I said before about by faith we believe. You know, if I was to ask you by that statement, you know, by faith we believe because this is how confused we can get. So 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed. So you could paraphrase that and go, oh, yeah, by faith I believe. And I'd go, okay, then tell me what's in the unseen. And you might go, what? Well, you said by faith I believe. So by the assurance of what you hope for and the conviction of the unseen, tell me now what's in the unseen realm because you're about to speak what you believe. See, it goes, I believe, therefore I spoke. So unless I've actually got true sight, what I speak is dribble. It's the words of Greg, not the word of God, because Greg can't see what's in God. This is the patterns where we got hoodwinked, because it sounds amazing. It's like increase our faith, Lord. It sounds so right, it's just not. That's why Jesus addressed it, and he said, no, if you had faith, you would say, speak to this mountain. See, the fact that you're telling me increase our faith, no, if you had faith, this is what would have come out of your mouth. You wouldn't be asking me to increase your faith. In fact, I'm talking to you, so how does faith increase? From me clicking a finger or from you hearing the word? So he's always addressing us, bringing us into what's written. See, everything is in accordance to him. It can't be in accordance to me. I'm not the one that comes up with this stuff, but we have. And we've come up with other versions, another gospel. And the Bible says, Paul said, you guys easily receive this to the Corinthians. He said, you're so easily entangled when someone comes with persuasive words because it sounds so right, but it's just not. And he says, you receive it beautifully and you are led astray in your minds from the purposes of God. It's quite deceptive, isn't it? Just like that, when we say that, sounds so right, but it's not. Having the same spirit of faith, so let's put it this way, having the same spirit of assurance of what I hope for and the absolute conviction of what I'm seeing in the unseen, according to what is written, yes, it's written and I'm seeing it, I then believed. So my conviction of heart, not mental agreement, comes from what I'm looking at. Out of that, I then declare the word because I can see it. Outside of that, once again, I'm just talking dribble. Might be very persuasive dribble. It might be entangled in John fourteen twelve and Hebrews four six and Psalms one eleven, but unless it's revealed because I'm seeing it, it'll be my version of it. Technically can be absolutely correct, but no power. And isn't it power that's associated with the word that we need to release the captive? It's not just fancy words. Paul said, hey, the kingdom is not built on words. He said it's built on power. He said, I'm coming to check not the arrogant and their words, but their power. Do those who profess to be of me and speak, 
are they actually of power, not flash words? That's why Paul said, I no longer come in persuasive words. All I know is Christ, Christ crucified. Let me take it away from all of what I thought I was in Judaism and bring it down to what it's really about, Christ, Christ crucified. The man was radically lowered, shunk, from being at the top of religious society to nothing. And he said, now my days actually start. Beautiful, eh? 1 Corinthians 2, 2 to 5. This is Paul. For I determined to know nothing among you except what I just said. (laughs) Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Doesn't sound like Saul, does it? And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Which is what Peter said, isn't it not, when he talked about God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through power. So man cannot know anything about God, in God, who he is, without power, God, revealing. But for whatever reason, that doesn't stop us trying in man's wisdom. Why do we do that? Control. Why else do we do that? Fear. Pride. What are we losing out on by living that way? Life. Like we're sabotaging our own eternal lives, aren't we? Like if he says you can't enter into it this way and we continue to try and enter it this way, who's losing? Does God want us to be losing? So why do we continue to do it? Like it's not logical, is it? This is not a logical discussion right now because in logic we'd all go, that's really dumb. I don't know why you do it, but I don't. But why do we continue to do it? Because it's spiritual. It's not logical. It's not rational. It's not a head thing. If it was a head thing, we'd just see it and do it, but it's not. There's things entangled in us that his power needs to release from us so we can actually start living this life out. It's called an operating system. It's called the will of man that wants to determine and dictate how it will be. But it keeps man out of life. Hence, it must fall on the rock and be broken into pieces and cease to exist. When Paul said, all I know is Christ and Christ crucified, he got crucified the day he received Christ. Did you and I? Did you get crucified with power and did your will cease to exist the day you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
If it didn't, that's fine, but you still need to get crucified by power because your will will still be living and it will prevent you from entering in. So although logically you would go, that makes no sense, you will be bound up in it and still find yourself doing it. Either that or you'll have awakened to the reality and now you're waiting for God to release you from your own will, which is the place that we need to get to. But if we're still trying, that's an indicator that actually your will is still living. So if you're still trying, it's not grace, is it? It's you trying to enter into life, which you can't enter into without God. So stop, see it, acknowledge it, repent and turn and then wait. And that's the heart God's waiting for because then God can build and impart into everything he wants to impart and renew the mind Start his truth to find the feelings. And all of a sudden, the pressure on the inside of you is greater than the pressure on the inside is greater than the external. So when the storms and the pressure of life come, the pressure is greater here. So that kicks that back. This doesn't take that out. And you know, I know the difference of the, the faithless life and the faithful life. And the life I was living before Christ the faithless life, was a life that had no authority or legislation. This word is is the thing that legislates our lives in faith, in Christ. It tells us, it gives us the conclusion, it speaks out the reality of Christ. It says that Christ wants to project, be in our lives, come into our hearts and project himself through our, through our lives. And so what happens when Christ rejects his life through us, we start fulfilling prophetic things because he is prophecy. And we start living lives of testimony that testify to the Christ. The faithless life beforehand was legislated for me. This is what I know the difference was legislated by people's opinions, by circumstances, the world's ideas, impressions from trends, movements, whatever the hype was, that's what was speaking to my life. That was impressing upon me. And it's a different legislator, guys. And Jesus, who is the fair and just judge, the true legislator, the one who sees all things, who judges not just by a little bit, who not only speaks one biased side of one thing. He sees the whole. Why? Because he's the beginning, he's the end, and he is the middle. He is the truth that upholds all things, not just our personal lives and realities, but the reality of the universe. He spoke everything we see and unseen into reality, into being. And so this life in Christ, when Christ is our center and the circumference of our lives, everything we see, everything we hear that is coming from the Spirit's senses, because we have the Spirit of God in us, that we now know the thoughts of God, we know the will of God, we live our lives so excited to prove who He is. In fact, we want to use our lives, we lay it down to literally test the Word to be made true, because we are leaning everything on who He says He is. So that when he appears, I appear. When he died on the cross, when they, you know, I I think of um, a grave, when they empty a grave out. When he went down, I jumped in with him. I'm like, I'm over this old life. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going nowhere. I have no direction. 
anything that's exciting at the moment is outside of me and, and that's where I'm finding myself. I'm trying to find company, belonging. And we're seeing that in the world today. People do not know their identity. They do not know what they've been born for. We have that there's they purposeless, directionless because they faithless. They don't believe. Pride, pride is the root of unbelief. We don't want to believe. And all keep us dead. And that's the truth. Full stop. <laughs> so we've got about 21 minutes before we maybe leave or maybe stay. So that's questions on your table. So once again, just um, find someone to ask a question and dialogue either what you just heard, um, what you've been hearing, and what's on the table. Thanks, guys.